from the Tie Cats Audio Network. This is Tie Cats Today with Braden Neville. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tie Cats Today for this Tuesday, July the 25th, 2023. On today's episode, Coach O speaks about the upcoming matchup with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Rich Leonard talks about being the top-ranked PFF DB last week. Terry Godwin speaks about continuing his strong play. And Bubba O'Neill joins me to break down last week's matchup and look ahead to the matchup with the Red Blacks. But first, let's get to some news around the team. The Ticats continued practice at Tim Hortons Field Tuesday. They prepare for that second matchup of the season with the Ottawa Red Blacks. The Ticats won the last matchup between these two teams in Hamilton in a close one, a very close one. It almost ended up going to overtime in that last play of the game, but it seems like the Red Blacks have sort of gotten their swagger a little bit over the last couple weeks, getting big wins over Winnipeg and Calgary, both in dramatic fashion. Both come from behind wins. The Dustin Crum era has begun in Ottawa. I don't know, maybe, but the Crum back is real. There's so many puns that have been used with this guy over the last couple weeks. The Red Blacks QB already leads all CFL QBs in rushing yards in just two starts, two and a half games total. And he came in in that game against Hamilton for the first time in place of the injured Jeremiah Masoli. Now, Coach O spoke to me today about what needs to be done to shut down this surging Red Blacks and more. Okay, Coach, playing against a Red Blacks team that's sort of come into a little bit of a stride over the last couple weeks. Just what you can say about their offense since Dustin Crumbs come and started for them as QB. Yeah, I think they have an identity. They know what they want to do. They're not putting too much on his plate. And I think, you know, Kahari and Bob are doing a great job of using his skill set. And, you know, the other two phases are playing well. They've, you know, they've played, you know, two overtime games and, and found a way to win the close one. So credit them. That's, you know, it'll be a... A great game. It's not the same team that we faced earlier, but we're also not the same team that they faced. So, um, you know, like the lead up is fine, and uh, but we're going to be excited to go play the game. We know it'll be a, a hostile environment, and they're kind of catching a little traction, and uh, so we got to play the game. I know the PFF system isn't something you're you're looking at or anything like that, but uh, Rich Leonard, he was the number one ranked DB last week, and playing at the corner as well. Just does that show just his versatility and what kind of player he can be on the defense? Well, since 2013, when I was here as the DC, uh, one of the things that uh, we always tried to do was find people that could play multiple positions. Uh, this is a game of injuries, unfortunately. And when you have people that are able to move, uh, it puts a lot less pressure and stress and you know anxiety on personnel department, on coaches. If you have people that in-house that can move versus always trying to grab people off the you know, what we call the waiting room or those sorts of things. So, you know, Rich is a part of that mold. Uh, I feel like he's having, a, you know, an all-pro type of year, you know, at halfback. But his unselfishness really shines through. He's willing to do whatever it takes. And so, you know, moving out to the corner uh, was seamless for him. Uh, the game's a little bit slower for him out there. Uh, I'm not sure about the rankings. I have my own rankings. I think Rich is pretty good. That was Coach O at today's media scrum. Now, Coach mentioned Rich Leonard and he was one highlight in the game against the Argos for the Ticats. Rich typically plays at the half, but after a little bit of shuffling in the secondary for the Ticats in that game, he ended up at the corner and did an excellent job coming in at number one among DBs according to the PFF ranking system. Rich spoke about his versatility and switching roles in last week's game. 
All right, Rich, last week you were ranked number one on the PFF ranking system among DBs. Do you just feel that kind of shows just how versatile you are going to the corner last game? Um, I would just say it was all a team game. I'm doing my job and plays come to me and I have to make the plays. So I'm just grateful for it. Now, this upcoming game against the Red Blacks, against Dustin Crum, another dual threat QB. When you're playing against a guy like that, is, is it always in the back of your head that there's a chance he, he might run with the ball? Uh, of course, we know um, he's a running quarterback, so we know we got to have eyes on him. So we, we'll be prepared for him, though. And then what does this defense need to do against the Red Blacks to shut them down, especially on that secondary? Uh, first, stop the run, and then contain the quarterback, stop the pass, and get takeaways. And just how do you feel practice has gone this week now that Bo Levi Mitchell, he's, he's back out on the field, obviously, on the offense, but to just have him back out and dressed. Playing. Oh, it feels great um, having your leader back, and, you know, we're just ready to go. That was Rich Leonard. Now, another highlight in the Argos game was Terry Godwin, who ended the game as the Ticats' number one receiver with 103 yards on seven receptions for by far his biggest game of the season. This is the game Coach O and the staff have been looking for from Terry Godwin, and I spoke to him about the big game, continuing that strong play, and more. You were the top receiver in that game for, for the Ticats against the Argos. Just how are you feeling in that one? It looked like it was probably your best game so far of the season. Was it just something different in that game? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it was something different. I mean, Coach called my number a lot the game, and I was there to answer the phone. I mean, that's what we get paid to do at this this type of level. Once your number's called, you gotta be at, you got to be able to answer that phone call, and I felt like I did a great job of that. Do you feel like you and Taylor were gelling a little bit out there, like you were just he was just able to find you more? I mean, uh, I guess the connection was there, if you can say that. I mean, he seen, he looked my way, and he wanted to put the ball in my area. I knew as a receiver I got to go up and catch it, regardless of whoever that receiver is. If it's me, Tim, Duke, Keandre, whoever the receiver is, we know at the end of the day our job is to go catch the ball. And I feel like I did a good job with that. And now Bo's back out on the field. He's, he's practicing. Just what has it been like to get him back out there? I mean, you know, always to have that veteran quarterback back and just to see him getting back into the floor of things, moving around. I mean, just to see him out there being able to move, and we haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's great. As a football player to player, I mean, I never want to see anyone go through an injury. And for a guy his caliber, I mean, it's great to see him back out there moving around. Yeah, and just in a leadership standpoint, having him out there, just being able to talk to him on the field during practice, just how much of a difference does that make? I mean, it's a big difference because once you, as a as a guy at his position, he's been off the field for a minute, so he's been able to see different points of view. And for him to come back and give us the type of uh, explanation or the expertise that he's seen off the field, I mean, it's it's great. Uh, it's great advice for us as a team, and then for him to be able to get out there and put it into into perspective. I mean, that's a that's a great job by him. Now playing against this Red Blacks team has a solid defense. Um, just what do you guys need to do to, to get some touchdowns here early? Man, honestly, we just got to come out fast. Offense got to come out clicking on all cylinders. And the main thing we talk about, we got to put points on the board, touchdowns, not the field goals. I mean, we do a great job of getting the ball down the field into the red zone. We just got to capitalize on the points, uh, get the defense out of the out of the area of being on two and outs, and we go down to get a field goal. I mean, on that part, the offense just got to execute and put the ball in the end zone. Perfect. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. That was Terry Godwin following practice today. I think now it's time we throw to our next guest, Bubba O'Neill. Bubba, another tough loss for the Ticats at the hand of the Argos. What did you think of the team's performance Friday night? 
Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind to me is that the Argonauts are a really good football team. And of course, we uh, support the Hamilton Tiger Cats and part <laughs> of Tiger Town. And that's always tough to say from a rivalry standpoint. But uh, you got to give uh, props to uh, what's going on there with Ryan Didwin. He's running a real tight ship and things are going very, very well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, my one concern with them is that they've burned two of their bye weeks already. Um, and at that point, somewhere at this point, they're going to experience the injuries, um, some hardships that the Tiger Cats have uh, have been riddled with early in the season. Mm-hmm. And hopefully um, we're turning the corner in that aspect uh, of terms of getting people healthy and getting this team on a run um, in terms of the game. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know what expectations were for the fans. I don't think any player or even a fan goes into a game expecting a loss. Yep. But um, playing an undefeated Argonaut team, as good as they are, the defending Grey Cup champions, uh, especially with the amount of people that are on the one and six game injury list uh, and using your third string quarterback. There's a reason I've always said this, um, whether we... I'd want to admit it or not, and I know Coach O certainly has that philosophy of the waiting room and next man up mentality, but there is a reason why there is, a, it for each position, pretty much a a, a, a one a first-teamer, a second-teamer, and a third-teamer. So mm-hmm. a Taylor Powell, I thought, showed very, really well in, in, in a real tough circumstances, uh, playing against a real tough takeaway-style defense. Uh, game got close there in the fourth quarter, but uh, yeah. at the end of the day, um, the Argos and I think the better team won. So lots of work to do for the Thai Cats, but I think their things are looking optimistic. No, for sure. And, and and Taylor Powell, I mean, you can't come in in a more difficult situation at home against the rival Argos, who just happen to be the best team, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion in the CFL right now. So I thought he stood his own pretty well. Like, I, I, I mean, he comes into this game, he seemed pretty poised. He, he had solid numbers. It just played that really tough Argos team. One surprise I might have had I think I had for that game was our running game James Butler just it's not his fault necessarily but it seemed like we weren't able to get much on the ground what do you what did you see from that I didn't see a lot from the offensive line uh I thought I thought the offensive line looked a little um discombobulated a little bit compared to the way we've seen them they've been sort of a source of strength through the Mm -hmm. first five games and I thought that was probably one of the games they'd like to look at that film and see exactly what went wrong what corrections are made also playing a quality opponent in a front three and four that the argonauts roll good linebacker play but it just could they i mean i think any offensive lineman will tell you would rather run block than pass block because you're mm-hmm. going forward and not going backward and your footwork is more important when you're driving you know when you're protecting the quarterback than driving forward and they just couldn't get anything going. So at one point, you got to credit the Argonauts for, you know, certainly looking at the film and what they were being so successful with against mm-hmm. the Elks and, uh, and and really just shut it right down. James Butler and that offensive line are certainly much better than the numbers that were produced. No, absolutely. And and G- I think JB has been a highlight almost every game this season. So uh, it was interesting just to see how they were able to shut that down. Now, Chad Kelly goes for 31 points. This guy's just been a monster all season long. What did you see from him in the offense? And why has it been so difficult for defenses to stop this Argos offense? It's a complete mystery to me, Braden. And I'll say this, and I said this in the broadcast, and, and you go back and look at the film from not only just a fan or uh, you look at it at a technical standpoint. Chad mm-hmm. Kelly does a lot of things wrong. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Um, throwing off his back foot, rolling left and the and throwing right, going against the grain. Um, at some at times, some inaccurate throws or bad decisions. But I'll tell you, his receiving core are making him look real, real good. Look, I'm not Absolutely. here saying that Chad Kelly is a bad quarterback. In fact, he's one of the fine stories of the 2023 season. Mm-hmm. But man, if you look at it on a technical basis, and I'll tell you, I'm sure the Argonauts offensive staff are knowing this, that he is getting away with things, <laughs> which uh, sometimes Ty, our Ticat quarterback has not been getting away with, uh, throwing off, you know, off pattern, off time, on, not on time, uh, and receivers are helping him out, and they've got an outstanding receiving core. I, I'm going to say I like a Curly Gittens Jr. He is a smaller guy, but some yep. of their bigger, taller guys, Coxie, uh, Brissett, are going up and getting that football, yeah. and uh, are making making the quarterback look real, real good. And that's been part of the success. But I'll tell you this, I think, I still think eventually at some point, everything evens out. So yeah. uh, let's see how much longer he can get away with this. I think even he has admitted to himself or admitted to, to the media that, you know, I got to play better, but Hey, they're five and oh, so you can still brag. <laughs> now, now I've, I have another question for you, Bubba. I heard you talking about this a little bit yesterday on your show. Is Chad Kelly, the MOP or, front runner for MOP right now, or do you have another dark horse in the race here? You know, I I still want to give it to Vernon Adams Jr. But again, Mm -hmm. in that head-to-head situation against the Argonauts, he was humbled. So you almost have to take him off the table. I think, you know, we so struggle. And I know Mike Daly talked about this (laughs) on the CFL this week, that no matter I mean, that someone would have to have like a 100 tackle, 30 sack season <laughs> for someone on defense to get the respect that they deserve at that at that award. Yeah, um, it, because Matthew Betts is playing out a lights out. And I'll tell you, I still think even though they are not having a really hmm, what's a fair word to say? They're not having a bomber, complete bomber-like season. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this at four and two, I believe. (laughs) I mean, to me, Jefferson is just a beast. Like, you have to game plan around that guy. The long arms, the ability to knock down passes, his ability to rush the passer, stop the rush, to me, is still, if not the best, one of the best in the league. So, um Yes, at this point, it does look like a Chad Kelly. He plays for the high-profile Toronto team. He plays the high-profile position, and he's 5-0. and no. And seemingly, his numbers are getting better as the season has gone along, too. So mm-hmm. I guess at this point, through the one-third of the season, let's give Chad the, his props. As, as painful as it is to say, yeah, I, I have to agree right now. I, 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 yes, that is completely within my rights of saying as yeah. a person that not only represents, you know, CHCH <laughs> as a Hamilton broadcaster, but someone that also participates on the Tiger Cats audio network. I'm sure there's a lot of Thai Cats fans that painfully agree. So I don't think you're in the alone there. <laughs> Baba, uh, now we've talked about the coaches talked about the first third of the season and, and people have been asking that a lot of teams like to separate it in thirds. The Thai Cats first third of the season. What have you what are your thoughts about how they've done here two and four? Well, Levi Mitchell, you know, which was great to see that he's back on the field mm-hmm. practicing. I think he said it and was, you know, and I, I appreciated his honesty. The team has been inconsistent. Yeah. Um, and that's why you're two and four. The things 
and and it's not even inconsistent from game to game. It, we're seeing this for, for within within quarters, within games, where Tiger Cats defense are coming up with fantastic plays, and then at times just can't aren't coming through on second downs, uh, second down situations, and sometimes second down in long situations. Um, you think back to the Argo game early in the game, second down and long. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It looked like Casey Sales might have been close to wrapping him up for a sack, yep. Kelly up for a sack, and he just basically flicks his wrist, the ball down 50 yards, and Brissett comes down with a 50-yard reception on like a second down long situation. Mm -hmm. So the Ticats got to be better at stopping teams on second down. And in the same situation, the team has to be better offensively on second down conversions. It's been a bit of an issue. They, they're struggling to put together drives. And then, as we all know, the biggest bugaboo of all is getting inside the red zone and turning, you know, opportunities yep. at seven points or at least six points and getting into the end zone and suddenly having to settle and no offense to Mark Leggio settling for field goals. Yeah, uh, I think I mean, you'd have to remind me here. I think Leggio at this point, what, 13 for 13? It's, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts what he's what he's right, doing. And, and, hey, here's a guy that's looking for a job and came into the situation. Hey, football is a crazy situation where Seth Small to me was written in pen as mm -hmm who's going to be the field goal uh, kicker this year. And all of a sudden, through whatever situation he's going through, um, Mark Leggio is signed, and he's been nothing but dynamic and perfect when it comes to kicking field goals. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't want the field goal kicker to be the highlight of the <laughs> offense, right? It no. just can't be that way. you got to get into the end zone. And because what happens is when you kick the field goal, well, I think there's a lot of times defensively that you're sitting there and say, "Woo, we got away with it." Yeah. Or you know what? That's the worst. That's the best case scenario. We only gave up a field goal and not a touchdown. So it's keeping teams in games when Hamilton do have opportunity to either get early leads. I think Hamilton still hasn't scored a touchdown in the first quarter. That's <laughs> got to change. No, it, absolutely. And and Legio, I, I talked to Legio last week, and just a funny note, I. I was so close to asking him. Well, actually, I did pretty much ask him if he became a kicker because of he has the greatest last name in the history of kickers. <laughs> with like, you know, but <laughs> but he's he's been excellent this season. Now, obviously, you mentioned Bo Levi Mitchell. Just how big is it to see him back practicing now? Oh, it's a massive reason. There's a reason why the team went out and you know found Dane Evans expendable. I made the move to trade him to BC and great to see him on the football field as well, mm -hmm. too. I can't help. I don't think there's anyone in steel town. that's not happy to see him succeed, but they yeah. went out and got a guy. That's a two time MOP, a two time gray cup winner put together, you know, arguably the best record over a decade of football uh, as a starting quarterback in this league. And we just need to see him back on the field. Again, I go mm -hmm. right back to what I said earlier to you about there's a reason why there's a designation of a first-team quarterback, a second-team quarterback, and a third-team quarterback. And I thought Matthew Schiltz held down the Ford as well as he could before he was injured. Yeah. But again, you got to have a Bo Levi Mitchell. I, I said this before. I said it in the in the, in the post-game show. We need to get Bo back. Right. Yep. We, we just do. And and I know there were some people who say, well, when he was on the field, he wasn't that good anyway. As the team went 0-2 and he played, but I guess a game and a half before being injured or game and three quarters before being injured. You've mm -hmm. got to get look at beyond that. The fact is that he, he, in training camp, I thought, and I'm you're there every day. Every yeah. time I was at training camp, boy, he looks sharp. Very, the ball yeah. was coming out on time. Uh, uh, throws to all levels, short, 
intermediate and long were being completed with regularity. Um, my issue was, and I think I talked to you about this, is that uh, I, he didn't get a, enough, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, of preseason time to gel yep. against other teams, other teams defending him. So, yes, the, hence the slow start in games against, boy, a tough situation on the road in Winnipeg. And, again, a tough situation on the road in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be a good quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I have no doubts about that. My other uh, concern is right now you've got to get the ball into your hand. I don't care who's the quarterback. Somehow you've got to find a way, Tommy Condell, or the quarterbacks have to make you know quicker or better decisions to get the ball into your hands of your playmakers. And the Ticats do have a lot, but they've got a guy by the name of Tim White that all I know is he had eight, 94 receptions last year. Yeah, 94. He's got 19 right now. Mm-hmm. And in top of that, too, he's got what uh, I had to write this down. Four, seven, nine. So he's got nine targets over his last three games and three receptions. Mm-hmm. That, nah, that's you know, crazy. Yeah. You know what? And then and the, the two receptions, three targets, 71 yards and a touchdown was against <laughs> the Elks. Yeah. Last game, two targets, one reception, uh, seven yards. Not good enough. And I know that you're gonna people will say, well, defenses are bracketing him, defenses are looking, you know, are spying on him. They realize his greatness. He's no surprise any longer. Well, the great receivers. And I'm going to put this on either side, the quarterback and the receiver. They find ways to break coverage. They get more creative ways to get your best players the ball. I love Duke Williams and and Godwin Jr. and and Sandani and 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 like these guys have been are good receivers. But there's a breakaway ability that when you at least try to get the ball into your hands, into the hands of a Tim White, I think it just opens up the field for everyone, and that includes the running game. No, big time. I'm glad you said that. He's, you know, he's just such a crucial deep threat guy too. And and you just, I feel like there hasn't been that many targets that deep down the field in the last couple of games. So it'd be great to see him get going on that now. Heading even like this, even even the like the jet sweep or getting yeah. him, you know, I mean, he's only I think he's only got one run this year as well too. Mm-hmm. Finding different ways to for him to to expose or or break open a defense. And like I yeah. said, it's going to open line, lanes for other people. No, absolutely. Now. Bubba, I just want to talk about quickly this game coming up here against Ottawa, taking on Dustin Crumb, the king of the crumbback, all the <laughs> all, all, all the hype around this guy you could ever see in the CFL. Um, how do they shut him down and how crucial is it to get a victory here in, against Ottawa in Ottawa? Well, everyone seems to shut him down until the fourth quarter, right? <laughs> like I get, I mean, I mean, this all the 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 crumination actually started in the fourth quarter against the Tiger Cats, yes, right? Yeah. And then it just happened. It went. I mean, what we saw against Ottawa, sorry, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Ottawa, and then on the road in Calgary. And I'm Ticat fans know how tough it is to win in that mm-hmm. building at McMahon Stadium. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's a, outstanding what he has done. It's a great story for the Canadian Football League. And it's and going back to what we were talking about about the designation of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been tough for the Tiger Cats, but he is the what I believe the fourth or fifth quarterback it's they've insane. had to they've turned to this year and quite honestly if this continues you know Sean Burke the general manager may be saying we may have our starting quarterback for the next 
you know, three to four, five years. Yeah. If this continues, he's the, as a, I know Coach O likes to say the moment doesn't look too big for him. Yeah. And I would say this for this kid, he looks poised under pressure. I believe again, I don't want to get on the CFL too much, but I have, I'd have to look at the CFL stats. I believe he's the leading rusher in the Canadian Football League. I think you're right, right? on that. Yeah. Okay. So he's got an ability to run the ball and run the ball and use his legs. And even if it's a spread out or a rollout situation, he is finding ways. And Nate Bahar, who I've always thought was one of the good Canadian running backs, mm -hmm. sorry, wide receivers. He's finding him, and he's becoming a real good, reliable hands guy that also can stretch the field too. So, what I—I I mean, and and we all know, we all knew at the beginning of the year that the Red Blacks defense was going to be a really, really good one. Yeah. So, hey, they've got a little momentum right now. The Tiger Cats are going to be in tough, hostile environment. The all of a sudden, the Ottawa fans are revitalized. And we talked to AJ Jackabek about that. He works at twelve hundred calls a game for 1200 TSN is that all of a sudden in a matter of two or three weeks, the fan base are electrified about their football team. So it's assignment. I love when we talk about this, about the tie cats going on a business trip mm -hmm. and, 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 and focusing on the, uh, on the task at hand and, and going in there. And, and well, again, we don't know if it'll be bold Levi Mitchell or, or Taylor Powell, mm -hmm. but regardless, they got a job to do. And uh, let's see if they can pull off, uh, I, I think, a victory in there, which will make the East really, really interesting. Uh, well, that's that's an excellent breakdown, Bubba. And I always, as always, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. And and hopefully the Ticats can shut down the hype just a little bit here on Dustin Crumb come Friday. Thanks a lot, uh, Bubba O'Neill. Yeah, it'll, it'll be great. And again, don't forget to join us on the uh, post-game show, Andy and myself, and of course, uh, Mike and uh, Courtney prior to us on Friday night for what should be a big game Friday night football on the Ticats Audio Network.